0: Good morning to each of you. So, a few years back, there was a game called Tribond where you would get three words that on the surface appeared to be unrelated. And the point of the game was to try to figure out what is the common denominator, the common word that ties all of them together. This morning, this is a visual version of Tribond. I have three pictures up here. And I wonder if you can think of any common denominator. Uh, that these three pictures have, have in common. And there may be more than one. So what I'm thinking of, uh, there, there may be others beyond this. I kind of want to wait to tell everybody till the end of the sermon, but I kind of need to tell you now, too. <laughs> so I was reading through James. Uh, I don't know, it's been a while back. And one of the verses, and it's just a phrase and a word that, that stood out at me in James, was this your life is a vapor. And it made me think about how does scripture talk about our life? So these these pictures are all well, they are some of the ways that scripture talks about our life. So on the left our life is referred to as grass and flowers. Our life is called a shadow. It's like an evening shadow and it's gone. And on the right it talks about us being a vapor or a mist or a fog or a breath, and it's gone. So I'd like to consider that, that concept this morning. And one of the things that's interesting is if you talk to older folks, and I'll let you define older folks, because it doesn't actually have to be that old. And universally, the sentiment that gets expressed is kind of amazement at the speed at which life has went by. Have you ever noticed that? Almost everywhere, you know, universally, regardless of culture, people are amazed at how fast life goes. Um, so just for the fun of it this morning, who all here can think of something that you used to do easily, that either you no longer can do, or at least it is very difficult to do? Can anybody think of something, any, everybody thinking of something that you used to be able to do that's gotten a little more difficult and if you're not raising your hand, you're not being honest, or not thinking hard enough. <laughs> I, I had to think about, you know, uh, Walter and Bethany aren't here, but I, for some reason Miles, the little bundle of energy, I just, I, he amuses me. And if you watch how he tears around, and he's this way, that way, over, upside down, even very young children, if they had to imitate Miles, would, would be all right. You know They may last, what, 20 minutes until they were tuckered out. My point is that life goes very fast, and the things that we once take for granted, you know, it, we can't do it forever, and it happens really quickly. So hopefully um, you won't feel too nostalgic and depressed by the time we're done looking at this. i want to look at four different places in Scripture that talks about our life being fleeting. So I invite you to Psalm 39. I'm gonna look at, we're going to look at what the pictures are in Scripture, and hopefully by the end we can very clearly know that God wants us to be aware of the brevity and the speed of our life. And hopefully we have an idea of why he may ask us to be aware of that. So let's go to Psalm 39. Uh, The title is, Teach Us to Number Our Days. In Psalm 39, we have David, and this psalm is a lament. And he is lamenting. He's going through suffering. We don't know why for sure. But possibly he uh, he was dealing with the consequences of sin but he is, this is really a, a very sad lament. And I'll read uh, part of Psalm 39 in verse 1. I said I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my, present, in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me as I mused. The fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. So he's going through something incredibly heavy, and he's not... He's not talking. And then look at his prayer in verse 4. This is what he finally speaks. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath, selah. Or pause and think about this. And then verse 6, Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they're in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. So the first thing he asked God for in in verse 4 here is... Um, well. and I lost my pointer. Just want to make sure the battery's not dead, that it will advance. Okay. First thing he asked in verse 4... Um, the battery is dying. I'm not going to grab this here. Thank you. Sorry about that. The first thing he asks in verse 4 is that God would make him aware of, of how long his life is, the end of his days. And, and his prayer is, let me know how fleeting I am. And so he's asking God, literally the word means let me know how fleeting I am. How frail I am, and how temporary I am, and I think this is something that that we all need to be reminded of. If we think about life, it always changes. It, it everything is in seasons. Everything on earth is very temporary. Um, nothing stays the same. And you know, just even thinking about thinking about the church or the makeup of faith Christians. So the church hasn't been here that long. Um, forty, you know, forty years. Yet, who all was here when the church started? Maybe a handful of people um, that were actually here. So anything, anything on the earth is temporary and it changes. And David's prayer is, let me know how fleeting I am. Then he goes on and he says, you've made my days a hand's breadth. So it would be the equivalent as saying today, you've made the days of my life are about an inch or two. A hand breadth was literally just how wide their, it is, the palm of their hand, and it was one of the smallest units of measurement that they would have had. And so the point here is, you know, my life is, is like a hand breath, and my lifetime in the context of eternity is as nothing. So if we, we put our lifetime up against eternity, and it's, I don't know, is it a, a blip, a dot, a little? It's, it's very small. And then he says, all of mankind stands as a mere breath, and we should stop and think about it. We go about as a shadow. And then verse 6 puts a lot of things in, in perspective. In a, short time, in a short life, there's a lot of things that we get worked up or in turmoil about that don't matter for eternity. And he's pointing out the futility of if we're going to go about trying to gather this and that to make sure we're taken care of, you know, we gather, gather, and we really have a short time and don't know what happens after we aren't here. So every man at their very best is as a breath, um, he says in verse 5. And the word for breath just literally means if you take out your hand and breathe on your hand. It also is the same word that Ecclesiastes says, meaningless. And that's, uh, that is the description that, he is, um, that he's bringing out here. So that is, this is the summary. Um, again, going back to the pictures, there are three. So it's a breath that's gone. It's a shadow or it's a hand breath. Um, Why does he want to remember this? Why is he asking God for this? And so I want to just uh, continue reading in the chapter and highlight in blue why this is important. He says in verse 7 And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. And he continues to go to, to talk throughout the chapter, but. Here is David in a very, very hard time of life, and he's saying, teach me how short life is, and that will help me to make sure that my hope is fully on the Lord. Um, Sometimes when we're in hard times of life, that's when life starts to feel really long. Typically, life feels short, except in the hard times it feels like it lasts forever. And, And I think he's praying to God, help me remember life actually is really short, and help me make sure that my hope stays on you in hard times. So we're going to look at four passages and just four reasons that God keep asks us, commands us to remember how short our life is. So teach us to number our days two, and then out of this passage is to keep our hope in the Lord in difficult times. So we are called to do this, to keep our hope on the Lord in difficult times. All right, let's go to Psalm 90. And this is not David. This is actually Moses writing Psalm 90. We don't know for sure where Moses was, but most people would believe that this was probably in the wilderness in the, 40, in the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And so keep that backdrop in mind as Moses also writes about keeping our life in perspective, how short it is and why it may matter. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So just focusing on who God is, God is everlasting. Can you imagine the children of Israel camping somewhere, probably you know maybe seeing Mount Sinai or other mountains in the desert, and Moses is writing this. And then, compared to God, see what he says about us. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it's past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So God's perspective on time is totally different. God is eternal. And so he's saying, and Peter talks about this too, a day is like a thousand years. It's, you know, it's gone. I mean, compared to the Lord, it's, it's nothing. And he compares it as, even a millennium, he compares to a watch in the night, which was like a three- or four-hour shift. Compared to the Lord, it's it's so small. And then he compares us, says we're like a dream, but the uh, picture here is that we're like grass, renewed in the morning. Charles Spurgeon, when he was writing about this, he said, about humans, he said, grass in the morning, hay at night. Like, well, that's an interesting way of putting this. Um, that grass is very temporary. In the morning it flourishes and and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. So here's the picture of what our life is like. Let's continue um, with with the psalm. Verse 7, For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So again, maybe Moses is thinking about this in the context of the children of Israel in the wilderness. I also find it fascinating that Moses would have written Genesis 3. Maybe he's thinking about sin, coming into the Garden of Eden and the impact of sin. That's where death came from. Um, So I don't know what all Moses had in mind, but let's think about this in the context of Genesis 3. And then Jesus comes and redeems us from the the curse of sin, Um, but we're still living in a brief period of of time. And then where does uh, does this lead us? Um, Let's read verses 12, 13, and 14. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And then in verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So we're told to to number our days and that's just to to count them or to to try to not take them for granted. um, to, To not lose sight of how many days we have to live. In, in the era in which we live that's very busy and, and full, it's, it's kind of easy to forget this. You know, one day leads into the next, and it can be easy to not reflect on how much time might be passing, or how much time we have left. So this chart here uh, that I'm gonna pop up is, what this does, what you're looking at, is um, there are 52 blocks going vertical, and there are 70 blocks going horizontal. Have you, has anybody seen these calendars? You can, you can buy these and post them on your wall. What this is is essentially taking one week of your life. If you live to be 70, each block on here is one week of your life if you live to be 70. So now I would love to update this for others, but I'll, I'll be kind and I will just do this for me. So I'm, I'm at 45 right now. And actually... I should be, I'm not that far away from turning 46, so this line here should be, should be about half filled in. Um, so I, I think these kinds of things are good for us to reflect on, and, and God is saying, you know, often a, year, a life is 70, if by strength it's 80, and thank the Lord there are multiple here who are over 80, and that's a gift. So anyway, just to keep in mind, um, you know, our, our life in context, So right now in the US the life expectancy is 79 years old and I don't think that we all assume we hit 79. If you're curious, the US ranks number 47 in the world. So, Um, what is also sobering is if you look at countries in Africa, that number today stands at 53 years. So today, there are whole countries that their life expectancy stands at 53. In the U.S., this one shocked me, in the U.S. in 1900, the life expectancy was 46. So I would essentially be at what the life expectancy was in the U.S. in the year 1900. And if you rewind another 100 years to the 1800s, So the the lowest life expectancy right now in Africa was higher than the highest country in the world in the uh, 1800s. So even though it's changed, our life is still very short. But God has given us um, time to invest. So I think about about these verses. What does it mean that we are to... um, Verse 12, we're to number our days that we may get a heart for wisdom... One story that I read that kind of illustrates this for me, um, there, I read a book called The Psychology of Money. And in it, the author worked as a valet for a hotel in Southern California on the Pacific Ocean. And one of the guys that started that would come regularly to stay at the hotel was a guy that had helped invent how wireless Wi-Fi technology would work. And so he became fabulously wealthy in his 20s, and he would come into this to this hotel, and the valet would get to know them and overhear them. So he was there with his buddies one day, and he would love to carry around just stacks of cash. So he told his friends, hey, go to the jewelry store, buy me a bunch of $1,000 gold coins. So his friend did, they came back, and literally all they wanted to do is they went out to the ocean, and they were taking turns skipping $1,000 coins to see who could skip them the furthest. Okay, fast forward a few years, he he was entirely broke as you would expect him to be. Now, okay, that's an extreme example, but when when you view something as you have a lot of it, you tend to not manage it that well. We can tend to waste it, but God is saying, you know, number your days so that you bring a heart of wisdom to me and how you use the short amount of time that I give you. And so let's just not, you know, not take it for granted and, and view it as this unlimited thing. Realize the value of it. So he's asked us to teach us to number our days. Um, this does not come naturally for us. But I find uh, verse 14 um, just incredible. Like you know, One of the key takeaways for me is that in this context of a short life, the prayer is, God, satisfy us with your steadfast love. So that's our hope long-term. And then he says that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. So our life is short, but it is packed with meaning because of the love of God. And we can, it's, not a, it's not a morbid or a sad thing that it's short. We actually can rejoice that God loves us in this little dash, blip, dot, you know, however we want to talk about our life. Um, that, and we can rejoice all of the days of our life because of who God is. All right, so the I guess one of the takeaways for me in this, um, I want to number our days, remember that, so that it helps us to have a heart of wisdom. Let's go to Psalm 103 uh, for the third passage, and I'm not going to read all of this psalm. Um, It's one that we all know well. Psalm 103, verse one and two: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And the psalm goes on to list all these things about forgiving our iniquities, healing our diseases. And then we're going to jump to verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. For as man, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. We've already talked about uh, the idea of of our life being like grass and here the picture is it's like a flower in the field um, that the wind passes over it and it's gone so I uh yesterday I went and bought I bought a couple of flowers and I've got one rose that I bought yesterday and I'm actually going to bring out another beautiful rose that I also bought yesterday that I would like you to admire and I bought these from the same shop on the same at at the same time in the morning. So I walked into the, the flower shop and I was like, hey, I've got an odd question. Do you have any flowers that wilt quickly, like in a day's time? And uh, he just laughed and grinned at me and he reached under his counter and he's like, like this one? I was like, yeah, that'll work great. And he said, hey, what happened is somebody was making, uh, putting together bouquets last night and they just forgot to stick it in water. So anyway, this is, this is what a rose looks like. It's about a day and a half now that it's seen water. But anyway, God is, God is just reminding us, not that our life doesn't matter, but that it's just, it's short. In the scheme of things, it is really short. And, and the picture here is of a flower that lasts a day, and, and then it withers. But I like to keep going. At, well, let's just consider this a little bit. The wind passes over, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. If you, and if you look around, you know, you, you look outside, you see green leaves in the spring. They turn brown, red, yellow, they fall, they go away. There's new green leaves there. And do you ever, you know, look around in life and, like, what, what is the point? Who remembers long-term, you know, what happened? And, and this is what God is pointing to, that it can feel like the place knows it no more. Um, So I'm going to do a little bit of a poll here, and hopefully we can get everybody's hands up at the start, and we'll go down. Um, Who all here knows your grandparents' names? Everybody everybody that knows your grandparents' names, raise your hand. Who all knows all of your great-grandparents' names? Okay, awesome. Can anybody go a generation beyond that? beyond great-grandparents. I, I realized that I couldn't even get to my great-grandparents, so a few months ago I downloaded a genealogy app to help me out so that at least... Anyway, it's fascinating. This is, this is getting in the weeds, but you can fill it in and it'll go all the way back to like the 1400s. And, but again, I'm not trying to be depressing or discouraging here, but God is reminding us that if this life is all there is, it, it passes quickly, and what, you know, it doesn't, You don't have to go back many generations to not really know even names or what happened. But I want to go on to verse 17, because to me this is the, the hinge or the, the turning point in not only this chapter, but in the whole, this whole topic. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandment the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all so compared to god we're we're short we're frail but he says he's set his steadfast love on us and the word for his steadfast love gets translated goodness kindness faithfulness and loving kindness and it's it's all through scripture but it's just this idea when when the person who sh- who owes you nothing turns around and gives you everything. And so God has set his loving kindness on us, and his loving kindness is eternal, from everlasting to everlasting, um, and it's, it's generational, it continues on. So outside of the love of God, our life does not have meaning. But if an eternal loving God has set his kindness on us and has eternal purposes for us, it is packed with meaning. And the book of Ecclesiastes basically attempts to deal with these issues outside of Christ. So to summarize uh, this one in Psalm 103, teach us to number our days to remind us of the incredible goodness of God towards us. And then uh, to wrap up, I'm going to look at James 4, and this is the passage that kind of caught my attention. So we've been in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament. Does the New Testament also speak this way about having this viewpoint on our life and what matters. So James 4, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So these these people believers were saying, you know, nothing wrong with what they were thinking. Hey, t- tomorrow or today, we're going to go over here. We have these things in mind. We're going we're to have a business. We're going to make a profit. Um, and they had, they had big plans for it. And God is saying, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, how, far, how far in the future, realistically, can we accurately predict? I, I would argue we really can't predict at all into the future accurately. And so God, God is eternal. God knows. And again, this is not a passage against planning, but God is saying we can't predict the future. We don't know. Um, God does know. And our life, we are to remember that our life is a mist. It's a vapor. So this pic here is one that Brandon took uh, in West Virginia when we go on our family vacation just down from the house. There's a lake, and it's it's beautiful to see in the morning the fog on the lake. um, Sometimes at night. You know, in the morning you get up and there's fog in the lake and it does not last very long at all until the the sun is up and it's burned off. And so even in the New Testament, God says, remember your life, it's like a vapor. And, And here's why. He says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin." And if I'm honest, when I read the, the verse 13, it doesn't strike me as that bad. Like I had to read this passage and even you know, meditate on it. Why, why is the Lord saying so strongly that you're boasting in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil, and if you know the right thing to do and fail to do it, it's, it's sin. And, and I think what he's, what he's coming back to is this whole idea that Of presuming on the future, that you know what, we you know we know what's going to happen, or we just take for granted what's gonna happen. Rather than realizing our life is very short, he says that our our life, every minute, every moment, is in God's hand. And even what we do is in God's hand. These people are saying, look, we're gonna go to that town, we're gonna trade and do this. And God is not saying that what they wanted to do was wrong, He was not saying planning is wrong. He just is saying that we need to have it with an open hand because God is involved in everything we do. Um, and anything, you know, my life or what I do, God is the one that will ultimately will work out his will and it's up to him um, what happens. So the issue was just how they were looking at the future, their attitude at the future, not what they, were, what they were planning to do. God cares about all of life. It's all under his control. He says in verse sixteen that when we look at the future without an open hand to the Lord, he says that it's you boast in your arrogance. And again, just this is—I mean, this was for me, like in studying this, why you know why is this so strong? Where he talks about that pride. The only other place in the New Testament that that wording or that word is used is in First John two.